nothing more than feelings. I lied. I said I wasn't going to sing again, and there I did it. Just own it. Welcome to podcast number two of the Cancer Sisters podcast. I'm Nicole. And I'm Amanda. And this is Faith and Feelings. Let's do it. Hello. Hello again. It's the evening of June... 20th? 20th. Yeah, it is uh, T minus, I don't even know how to do that. It is one week away from my alobectomy. Mm -hmm. And we're not really playing a game, but we're kind of playing a little game. I asked you to make a list of all the feelings you've been experiencing in the last couple of years. And I did the same thing. Correct. So the game is kind of, I'm going to read my list to you and we're going to see what you came up with, you know, as identical sisters... We don't have identical brains. Well, let's go see ahead. What, let's see what's what. You read yours and I'll read mine and we'll see where we, is, where we land. Okay, here's my list. Uh, you can see that my where my mind was when I was making the list, but still in no particular order. Fear, anxiety, despondence, sadness, anger, anguish, pain, frustration, embarrassment, bitterness, hatred of things, not people. Apathy, empathy, jealousy, confusion, questioning, wondering, brazenness, maybe not a word, entitlement, nervousness, relief, joy, thankfulness, love. (laughs) You wrote more than me. But okay, here we go. Here's mine. I think that's a great list, by the way. I'm great with words. You are. (laughs) Until I forget them. (laughs) Okay, so I have fear, dumb, naive, anger, rage, sad, hopeless, scared, worried, blessed. I have WTF, WTH, Y, (laughs) faithfulness, um, and that's it. There's some things on your list I think I should have put on my list. That's how I felt about yours. Yeah. That's why we make a good team. Right. Teamwork. Dream work. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me see your list. Let's dig into something here. Why? um, um, I think an easy one to talk about, um, you know, a pretty easy place to start is with fear, as that was the number one on both of our lists. Yeah. Although consciously, I would not say that I'm afraid. No, it's what happens when you're laying in your bed at night at 3 o'clock in the morning and not sleeping at all. That's when all the fear creeps in, if we're being real. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm already through treatment and I, I mean, I'm midway through treatment, I've talked to all the doctors, I've asked all the questions, I will, and, I, and I don't think about it like during the day, but when I can't sleep in the middle of the night, that's all fear. It's sort of like PTSD from everything from the last time, too. I think what's hard about, I think what's hard about what you're describing is that it's the, it's the fear that something worse is coming, that the other shoe is going to drop, mm-hmm. that it, it's, it's kind of, because fear comes on the other side of hope or, yeah, or optimism, because... Yeah. You know, we we started to talk a little bit in the first episode about your experience with, 
you were getting prepared for surgery and then you had the PET scan as part of your pre-surgical testing. Yeah. And when they found the, you know, the, the uptake in the lymph nodes in your lungs, you and I both felt all this hope, like that's totally normal. You know, you're fighting off something. You have been fighting off something. Your, your repeat PET scan after 30 days is just going to show us they shrunk and you're going to go ahead with the surgery. This is just a delay of a delay month. Of game. Yeah. And I, and I even asked the surgeon, like, can't this just be because it was fighting like a sinus infection and I had COVID like two months ago. Like, couldn't this be like hangover from any of that? And he said, it's possible. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why things get, um, why those lymph nodes would be inflamed. Although, can you honestly tell me, had you ever been told anytime you went into the doctor for a cold, the flu, uh, bronchitis, pneumonia, even when you had mono way back when, like, were you ever told about swollen lymph nodes in your lungs? No. In fact, I had a chest x-ray when I had pneumonia, you know, back after, uh, after those kids spray painted genitalia on the driveway. That was a good time. That was a nice way to say it, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I had pneumonia, like wicked fever. I felt horrible almost immediately. Um, you know, the chest x-ray showed the pneumonia. But never talk of lymph nodes. And I and I don't know that an x-ray really shows the lymph nodes anyway. No, but, and I feel like no, you I, and I both have a knowledge for different reasons of the body, right? And I studied, you know, like fitness extensively. And I had different certifications and, you know, because of all the things like even starting in college and we were both we've both been athletes and you were an athletic trainer so we like knew but I never knew what a hyalur lymph node was or that there were lymph nodes inside the lung did you ever think of that no no it was so, nothing like, I studied I had, had to, I needed to know I had to google it and like pinpoint where they were and then as soon as I knew they were there and like enlarged I felt like I could feel pain there I mean, yeah. psychosomatic. Well, the same thing completely. happened to me, you know, after knowing I had rectal cancer. Then I was like, oh, yeah, I feel it. Mm. I could feel exactly where it was. Had I been ignoring it? Could I have felt it all along? Was I telling myself I could feel it? Who knows? Speaking of playing a game, I think that our listeners should play a drinking game every time we say the word feel, feelings felt. <laughs> <laughs> Because we've already said Uh-oh. it about 15 times. <laughs> and I feel... And no driving. <laughs> and I don't... Yeah, if you're driving, you can't play the game. Andy Cohen does that on Watch What Happens Live. He does Watch what? what Watch What they Happens play, Live? Yeah. They play a drinking game with, like, the word of the day. Oh, how yeah. fun. All right, we could do that, too. Okay. The time I would say I felt the most fear was, I thought I kind of said that in the first episode, was like with the thyroid cancer, because that was the first time, um, that's the first time I heard cancer, and that was the first time I actually heard the possibility of cancer. Yeah. That was the first time I thought to myself about that being just the, the most terrifying thing I could have heard. Yeah. Well, and, you know, in, in my diagnosis last July was terrifying, but I honestly didn't, my mind didn't go right to fear. Do you think that has anything to do with the fact that I already went through the same thing and got through it? Probably. Yeah. 
my reaction was like of shock and disbelief. Yeah, neither one of us wrote that down, did we? No. You think that that's a big that's a big one? Oh, for sure. My diagnosis this time, I I mean, I I have been dumbfounded. I have just, you know, I've been sort of in a in a haze and and I don't quite want to say a state of shock, but it was so shocking. I was kind of numb. You can't wrap your head around it, so you almost don't. Like that's why I think you get a feeling of numbness because maybe that's protection of what your brain's doing. You know, is keeping you from the really awful stuff. The really awful feelings. Yeah. Drink. (laughs) Take a drink. But I think and the the thing that was most scary for me, where I went straight to, I'm dying, and I said those words out loud. You said them to me. Yeah, I know. That was um, horrible. I'm Thanks. sorry. <laughs> That's going to make me cry, so don't. Uh, but, like, when they said it was metastasis, because... If you're, I mean, you got, and I think anybody would feel it. You're like, oh, it's going to spread over my entire body. I'm done for. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's insane. But um, I luckily I only felt that for maybe a day. And then I probably the whole next month I just spent in anger. Mm-hmm. You did move on from that pretty quickly. I commend you. Thanks. I did use the word despondence. That's kind of the way I've been feeling. And it's been really a strange reality for me. And yeah, I've been thinking about it a lot. And I don't think I kind of came to any conclusion. But I didn't really want to talk about the lung cancer diagnosis to anyone. Mm -hmm. Because I did talk to a couple of people, you know, those closest to me. And I mean, outside of the family. Right. And my daughters and husband, but, you know, to my very close friends and, and even to some people who just kind of happened to ask me how I was feeling or how are you or Mm -hmm. how have you been? And I answered honestly, but people are sad. They're sad for me and I haven't cried about it. I am not sad for myself. And I felt cold and kind of mean to not match somebody else's yeah. response to it. But that I think that's completely normal. Because... I mean, I don't know what's normal. <laughs> well, air quote, right? <laughs> normal. But we are dealing with this and talking with the way we can laugh about it. And the way we can talk about it is because it's so fucking outrageous. And yes, I had to use that word. It's so beyond comprehension Mm -hmm. that, and I'm just going to spell this out for everyone, that I had rectal cancer. You got diagnosed with the same rectal cancer one year and one day after me. And then my cancer one year later metastasized to my lungs and within a couple of weeks you found out you had lung cancer mm-hmm. how can you wrap your head around that or how can you feel like 
really empathetic towards anyone that cares about you. When you're still trying to get to why in the world is any of this happening? Right. And again, well, this is how, this is how come we're doing this. Well, it's the was, whole reason we're doing this. It's not even that I didn't feel, I, that I don't feel or that I can't feel for people who are feeling for me. Sometimes I, I can't. can. Well, that's that's another thing we should talk about. Yeah. But um I you know, I think I kind of got to that a little bit on my my list maybe with apathy. Mm-hmm. But I can feel for I can feel for people. And I can see the tenderness in people, in people's faces, and hear it in their voices, and watch the tears come out of their eyes. Mm-hmm. And I just sort of end up feeling guilty because I'm not, I'm not there. You know, I was just, I was numb. Like I said, dumbfounded. Right. I mean, yeah, I, my I, oncologist had to hug you because you were crying. Well, and I wasn't. We can explain that to our listeners that sometimes <laughs> that's happens. I usually am your what we what I've called for many years, I am your anger translator. Right. At that moment, I was your sadness translator. And I just couldn't and I think what I was feeling and I was in this explosion of emotions was it's not fair. Like it's bad enough already what I'm dealing with there's no reason you should have to deal with it too I know and it, you know what I mean and it's not fair but like that's just one of those things that I've told the girls like life isn't fair there is no fair no there just is no fair but somehow that's the that's what comes to mind it's not fair no well I mean it's not like it's not like I deserved it or anything, but if I, but I'm looking at everything as a whole for the family, and like n- there shouldn't be more than one of us. But clearly, as we dive into this, hopefully, with and with my genetic testing coming up, like there's a we can figure out if someone can give us a why. That would be great. That would be really great. What? What? Go ahead. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what you're gonna say. <laughs> I was gonna say let's talk about let's talk about some of the good things, right? Sure. The gratitude, the joy, the relief, the thankfulness. Uh, you mentioned, and I, can, I honestly can't remember if you mentioned it in this context and um, while we've been recording, but um, you were. You you needed time off and you needed time, um, to to heal or to try to heal and and during your treatment the first time, mm-hmm. and it was impossible at sometimes to work. So, incredibly generous people donated to GoFundMe for you. Yeah, and uh, you started to talk about how that made you feel. Yeah. Um. <laughs> It's like a subliminal <laughs> message. I couldn't even sit in a chair. I couldn't. I got to sitting on my left side all the time because I was in so much pain and I couldn't stand. You know, so I could like curl up on my side or I could lay down. And that was like about the sum total of what I could do. And chemo was affecting my eyes. I couldn't read. I couldn't really see for a while. So I couldn't do anything on the computer. And... Um, I watched a lot of TV 
during treatment because yeah. reading was really difficult. Yeah, and I love to read. Yeah. And I had a bunch of books there there in the gratitude donated to me from my friends and coworkers mm-hmm. that I wanted to read and I couldn't. Yeah. I still have so a whole bunch read. of books. I actually just ordered one and I saw it on the Today Show today and it's called The Celebrants. Have you ever heard of it? No. It's about a group of friends, a real group of friends, um, that they were, you know, a college, college friends and they got to get, they get together every year and celebrate, they do mock funerals for each other so that they say all the good things to each other before they die. And that's interesting. I know, but the reason I bring it up and the reason I ordered the book is because that's exactly what I was feeling in my gratitude. I mean, not only for the generosity of all the people that donated money because I was out of work and, um, you know, I didn't have any time off saved. Uh, it was that along with people's donations and even the people that couldn't donate and that was okay. They were saying things to me that I've never heard and that, and it's changed my opinion where that I even say to people now, like, say to people how you feel about them and don't, (laughs) and don't keep it to yourself. There were customers I had when I worked in retail that came out of, you know, because you're all on Facebook together, right? Like came out of the woodwork and said, and like this woman I met one time is a great example. I met her once. And she said, I came into that store and she was, she's African, like not just African-American, like African. So there was a language barrier and everything. And so she was like, well, you made me feel so welcome and so comfortable. And I left there finding exactly what I needed and a bunch of things I didn't. (laughs) And, you know, and that is why she felt moved to help me. Mm -hmm. And it's like mind-boggling but those are truly the things that we need to say to people and that's what made me feel so (laughs) drink (laughs) we can count them up at the end (laughs) that's the things that made me feel so much gratitude Mm -hmm. that got me out of feeling sorry for myself that got got me out of this is so painful and this is so awful to just be to just be thankful and it got me through treatment. Mm-hmm. You know, you got me through treatment, but, and the family, but that was just feeling loved. And people ask all the time, what can I do? I just need to know I'm thought of. I need to know you're praying for me. That in itself is something that helps get me through every day. Well, I think that's really interesting because I think that's where, you know, our episode is about feelings and faith. And I think that's where faith ties in. Yeah. Because you see the love and the outpouring from people who may not call themselves believers or may not call themselves Christians, but show you God's love through their demonstrations, through the, what they what they do, how right. they treat you, what they say to you, you know, you know, from something as um, you know, simple and beautiful as a bouquet of flowers to the Facebook messages, to the text messages, the phone calls, the offer for uh, offer for help, the people who, you know, just show up and come and sit and talk to you for a little while. Yeah, and send cards or send notes because 
It's really nice not to get a bill and to get something personal <laughs> in the mail. And get something nice right? in the mail. Snail mail. Um, or just somebody that isn't in your day-to-day life but sends you a message and, hey, I just wanted to check on you, mm-hmm. which means they out of their own accord thought of you. They think of you and it's a demonstration of sort of an unconditional love and you know that's where people tie in to to God's love it's our it's our job to show people the love of Christ and that's when you show up especially when you don't want to yeah. And that's when, you know, those moments when somebody pops into your mind, that's when it's a great time to send them a message, send mm-hmm. them a text, you know, call them for our younger listeners. That's what phones are actually for. <laughs> Not just texting. Phone calls. <laughs> phone calls. I know. We Even do if have... you just leave someone a voicemail. And there are times I look at my phone and I'm like, I just can't. I don't have the energy to have a phone conversation but hearing the voicemail and then getting back to that person when I can, when I do have more energy, it's just so nice to hear from someone. And you hear the inflection in their voice. It's better than text. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Let's, uh, where do you want to go next? We go a little bit of anger? Yeah, I mean, we should probably dig into anger. Because I spend a lot of time being angry and talking, you know, talking about God's love. Like you said it, but to me, but I didn't feel angry at God. But I also really would like to know why. Mm-hmm. You know? A, yeah, it's a big question. Somebody at church said to me the other day, and this makes a lot of sense. He said, I've never experienced what you have, so I can't really know what you're feeling. But I think what I would say, and because I had said to him that I don't doubt God, this hasn't shaken my faith, but I'm angry. Yeah. And he said, I think my prayers would be something like, God, I trust you and I trust your plan, but I don't like what you're doing. Yeah. Like We could be done any time here. Yeah. I did a TikTok about that. You did? <laughs> well, I didn't see it. It was a popular sound, but it was like, okay, Jesus. <laughs> I said, when I said I like it rough, I didn't mean this. <laughs> uh, I'll find it. Put me put it on Instagram for you guys because I laughed about it pretty good. But um, I just was angry and I didn't know what to do with my anger. So I was just Everything made me mad. Absolutely everything. And I find out, going back to when I said, like, sometimes I don't feel empathy for other people. Um, I do after the fact, or I do, like, you know, pretty quickly after the fact. But now, for example, that I'm bald, right? That people ask more often than they were before what I was going through or you know, how are you, right? It's a difference in how you doing. And um, I'll just be like, yeah, I have cancer, you know? And I just sort of blurt it out. And the thing about what happens to other people is you don't know what experiences they've had. So part of their reaction could be that feeling for us or me, you know, specifically 
part of or it. Or their could feeling be, for them. It could be for the person that they lost. Their memories. And then what really makes me angry that I don't have empathy for is in this conversation where you're telling someone what's going on with you, they immediately tell you about the person that died. I know, that's rough. It's so, and I understand, like, I'm not mad at them for it, but it makes me angry. Because if you think, how does a person that's trying to deal every day with the fact that there is cancer in their lungs, this is the second round, your third round, okay? A different cell, your third different cell, right? Mm -hmm. And... You know, and maybe it was colon cancer or his prostate or something, or or I say the word metastasis, and they're oh yeah, it's spread, and we just lost them, and you know a year ago. Well, oh, yeah. how, or how do I think someone... we feel then? You just took the fear and cranked it up a little. Thanks. Yeah. Or, wow, my cousin just died of colon cancer. Oh, thanks. Well, and it's, and then, it's, then I, you're forced to you're forced to say something really kind to them when inside you're fucking angry. Yeah, like I can't believe you just said that to me. Well, people, you know, people think it's just, I feel like I'm shouting. <laughs> you are shouting. <laughs> <laughs> Your face didn't turn that red though, but you were shouting. <laughs> No, I think, you know, people really try to connect. That's what human beings do. They're trying to connect. So they're connecting to you in a way. Right, I understand what There should doing be a that. little bit of a filter there that, you know, that doesn't say, I know someone who had something that you did and they died. You know, that's really about them. That's yeah. they're mourning the loss of of somebody who was in your situation. Right, and it's at this, their and surface. Just, it's incredibly selfish. And I don't think people try to be selfish. No. Like I said, I do think it is in the idea of they're trying to connect. I do have understanding, you. but I, but it, but it hurts. Mm-hmm. You know. You know what else makes me angry? What smoking? <sighs> I wish I had. I wish I had like a really long stick when I pull up to a stoplight. <laughs> I can stick in someone's window and knock the cigarette out of their mouth. Oh my gosh! There are people that <laughs> I thought I... about that, and I was you know at six forty five. And I'm driving to swim to coach, swim practice, and there's somebody at the stoplight smoking. Not only can I smell it, I'm like, I just want to shout. After I knocked a cigarette out of their hands, I just want to shout some expletives and just be like, you're an asshole. I have cancer in my lungs. I know. Also, I think I've been saying it for for years, which makes me just an idiot, but... You know, it's 2023. Why are we still smoking? Or why are we vaping? Or why are we... I'm like, you know, and I said it in 2022. And I said it in 21. And I said it in 2020. And in 2019. And in 2018. Hey, it's, you know, it's just like, we know. We know. Why are we smoking? But that's what, like, that's where anger and jealousy comes in. Is there are people I love and love deeply. Yeah. Who are smoking. And... And won't stop. Or vaping. Or, you know, using using substances that shouldn't go into their lungs and um, will do it in front of me and uh, or, or we'll talk about it in front of me even. And I, I'm not there to make them feel bad. It's just I think 
how are you so carefree about cavalier. your lungs? Cavalier. How yeah. are you so cavalier about your lungs? You don't think at any point that the five cigarettes, and I don't know, right? But the five cigarettes or the five times you hit that vape during that day. And, and this is not because I do understand an addiction. I get that, you know. But you don't think that something's going to happen to your lungs. And here are two people, and most people know me if they just, know, you know, if they met you, they also know about about me if they haven't met me. Mm-hmm. And they know what we're both going through. Oh, right? talking about vaping today. Yeah, I yeah. know. I know. Watched her do it. We just, you know, our buddies over here are asking all the questions about cancer and the buddy over here is just vaping. And we're both talking about our lungs. And like, you're going to have this surgery. And they're actually removing one, week. one of the lobes. And it'll have a minor effect, but you don't you don't really know. True, I don't really know. You don't, okay. Anyone listening has any less long and want to connect? Let me know what it's like. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I would love to know the answer to that. Like in real life, what does it translate to? Right. But I get winded going upstairs. I get winded taking like picking up a laundry basket. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, part of it's the treatment, but part of it is that I have cancer in my legs. You know, it won't Mm -hmm. always be that way. But why would you choose? Like, I get irrationally angry Mm -hmm. when I see smokers. (laughs) Me too. I was, I was, I was walked by yelling at people at Blossom. tickets to what right did I have we're outside I mean you and I remember a time when when you know I had to come home and and wash my hair because there was so much smoking in the bar oh yeah um and we we lived in that in that time but if you so didn't like, your whole room smelled like a cigarette and you never had a cigarette right and your think, whole room smelled like one <laughs> to think I'm outside at a concert but there there were just so many people smoking well, and I mean, that's the thing is that, you know, you wish, you wish you could reach all those people and just be like, stop doing it to yourself. Well, and the truth of the matter is what's so frustrating about it is like the people I love know that it's not good for them and do it anyway. I will have no effect on that. You know, it's, it, it's still just infuriating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even today, they talked about it. Mm-hmm. Well, just to sit there and vape. Yeah, we're not going to harp on that. We got to keep... We already did. I know. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have some people like... We harped. Screw these girls (laughs) judging us. Judgy McJudgerson. Judgy McJudgerson. Yeah. No, no, no. no. It's totally just about what makes us angry. We weren't judging. Yeah. Totally not. Makes me angry a little. But like that, you know, that walk by shouting I was doing... also because I drank like those big Bud Lights. Yeah. But um, but that's where the brazenness comes in. Like I feel a certain, I, it's probably arrogance, but I feel a certain entitlement also or um, I'm bravery and just, you know, just being able to say whatever, mm-hmm. which so many people could do, right? So many people are going through things 
It's a great, it's a great thing we don't all behave that way. Yeah. I'm not proud of my behavior. Uh, I'm not proud of that sort of entitlement. Well, you know, I, I have, I've got lung cancer and they're taking part of my lung. And, you know, well, I, I get it. I'm not special. But sometimes I feel so entitled just, just to be rude. Um, well, I think that goes back to the fact that we can't wrap our heads around why this is happening. So it's, it's displaced. And part of it is I want the message to get to everybody, but the, the other part of it is what do I do with my anger? Right? It comes mm-hmm. out like that. Mm-hmm. About yelling at someone at a concert for smoking. <laughs> <laughs> I should, in my prayers talk to God about my anger and I uh, tried to give it up, you know, try to try to lay that anger at his feet and let it go. Yeah, we both should. It's a hard thing to do, but all right, move on from anger. Because <laughs> we were talking about gratitude and how great that was. And I know. We, just we, went, went, we, we took the deep dive. Back down the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to share, we did not have a guest per se, but we had a guest submission. One of our friends, Cal, shared a little bit about his story uh, from the same framework of feelings and faith. And one of the things I think is really interesting is the way that he described learning his cancer diagnosis as a gut punch. And I think we're all kind of familiar with that. I, fortunately, have never been punched in the gut. Have you been punched in the gut? Um... Like, sincerely? No. <laughs> so, messing around with teammates or something. You yeah. Know? But I, nothing, thankfully, no. I find it interesting you had to think so long about that. Well, <laughs> like, did I ever get punched in the gut? I've been in some sitches before. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. But I think we can all understand that. It's a, it's a commonly used metaphor, you know, to, for something to take your breath away. And that's that's kind of the thing we were talking about just a little bit earlier, you know, being shocked or being stunned or being dumbfounded or being, you know, it is a gut punch. It stops you in your tracks. Um, our friend Kel had Hodgkin's lymphoma. And, you know, he's the one who described that diagnosis that way. Kel had a terrific support system, a terrific team of physicians and and nurses and felt very fortunate that way. And, you know, for him, looking back, I think he, you know, he said, and I quote, I can say that even going through chemotherapy and losing my hair and feeling crappy and tired, I have an excellent, excellent support team with my wife and children, family, friends, and my church. And, you know, this is a, I think this is really interesting because it's a different perspective. It's yeah. a, it's an after the fact perspective. It's like you and I felt in March of <laughs> 21 or right. in March of, oh, for me, March, March 22, of 22, 22 and 23. Yeah. Pardon me. In those marches, we've, we felt, um, we felt a certain elation and you can see, we can, we can spend more time on the gratitude and we can spend more time, um, on the joy because this, this, the gut punch is kind of lifted mm-hmm. or, or peeled back a little bit. Um, and Cal shared more from his faith. And he said, I was certain that people were praying for me and I had a peace that I can think only comes from God. And, you know, I think this part of the story is so important because 
you and I hear from people all the time with faith that mm-hmm. um, they're, you know, they're praying for you and they're praying for me. And I have heard quite a bit as I approach my surgery from people who um, who lean into their faith in that moment, you know, for me or for you. Right. And that's um, that's really a beautiful thing. It's powerful. And I think what to say is no matter what someone believes, you know, a good friend takes offerings to Buddha. Um, I've gotten crystals and from people with energies. They talk energies. And no matter what, it comes from a place of love. And so that's what I think is so powerful. And it, I believe 100% that's what gets us through. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I believe specifically in God, but I'm just saying the what comes from other people, no matter what, um, their faith, their faith, yeah, it's really powerful. It is really powerful, and specifically for Cal in this situation. Mm-hmm. He talks a little bit here about you know knowing that there is hope in heaven. So ultimately, when his life here on earth is done, that he you know he believes in heaven and has hope in heaven. And he says he trusts that he loves me, that's God, and will be there for my family when his time comes. And, you know, whether or not to our listeners your faith is the same as ours, like, that is where we have comfort. And despite our anger, (laughs) (laughs) embarrassment, sometimes bad choices or rage, um... You know, this this kind of goes back to the gratitude and the love that we get from people. Yeah. Being particularly important. Absolutely. That's, um, I think that is the right place to end because through the whole range of emotions, it's very much like a grief response. What it, I mean, it is a grief response, mm-hmm. right? And we go through all the phases and we certainly haven't described them all. I, I think we touched on the ones that are very raw to us. The 25 stages of cancer grief. <laughs> yeah. There could be more on this topic. Um, but I definitely think through going through a grief cycle where you can end up in gratitude is so, so powerful. And that would be our message to other people is to see something in every day. We are not rainbows and sunshine. We're not those people toxic positivity is what it's called we are not those people but i think that if you can just take a look at what you have and realize the gratitude you can find every day it is so powerful and i believe it's what got us through the first time and what will continue so i get to sit here with you and we can talk and we can make faces at each other and we can be (laughs) serious and ridiculous yep um and we have the love of our families and our friends Absolutely. All right. Okay. End of episode two. I'm excited. Thank you guys for listening again. We have, um, we're springboarding into so many powerful stories and guests, and we're going to move into some of those topics we already told you about. So stay tuned. For after surgery podcasting. For after surgery podcasting. And um, we'll talk to you very soon. Bye. Bye.